My whole life I've been running after one thing To find that part within that I'll measure up to something I've got a lot of dreams but I was told I wasn't practical I couldn't measure up because of all my flaws But I know the wrong is the only stepping stones Life's the art of embracing these things, yeah Don Yeager, welcome to the Art of Podcast And we're going to call this one the Art of Greatness I don't think there's been anybody that I have been around that is more tied to greatness in so many walks of life, sports, business, individuals. You are, Don Yeager, the definition of greatness. Thank you for being on here, my brother. <laughs> David, thank you. I don't know that I deserve that in, that uh, that intro, but I'm, I'm a student of greatness is what I am. I don't know that I'm the definition of it, but I'm the student of it. Oh, and we are going to get in all that you have learned. I know you could go on for stories and stories, but we are going to give the audience, you listeners out there, some greatness tools and tactics when you walk out of this room. But before we do, everybody that we bring on, we ask you, start us off with a bang, Don, something that maybe not necessarily everybody knows about you. Not, not everybody knows it, but I try to make sure everybody knows it. I am... Uh... I may be one of the few uh, non-NBA guys that you've ever had on your podcast who can tell you they scored on Michael Jordan. Uh, I did that and no uh, at, at Jordan's old man basketball camp a few years ago. Wow. He invited me out to be one of the guys that would go one-on-one -on -one with Michael. And uh, and, and I, I'm 1-0 against hey. Michael Jordan. That's all you need to know. Nobody can say that. So then my follow-up question has to be, what move did you hit him with? How did you get to the basket, or did, were you left open for a jumper? It was a deep three. Wow. And, uh, wow. and, and just so you know it, the deal is Jordan does this competition, and he, yep. brings, in, he brings 20 guys out from the crowd that he's, that he's selected, and he says, each of you get to go one-on-one -on -one with me. Uh, but in the nine years I've done this, only five guys have ever scored on me. And today you're not going to be number six, right? So if your mind's not already wired up because Jordan's challenged you, but the rules are Jordan gets the ball first. And if he misses, you get the ball, right? If you, if he misses and you get the rebound and, you know, then you get a chance to score. So, I mean, that's why nobody ever scores, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, so uh, Jordan actually is behind the three point line and he's got the ball and he's dribbling and, and I step back and I decide I'm not going to let him drive to the hoop, right? It doesn't matter what he does. Now, Krzyzewski, who was one of the coaches there, came up afterward and he said, Jaeger, you were so far away from Michael that if you'd wanted to go out and guard him, you'd had to take a cab, right? <laughs> That's how great the gap was between me and Jordan. So Jordan's literally, he's calling me out with his hand and, and he says, are you really going to give me this shot? And I look back at him and I said, I don't think you have it in you. <laughs> Laying off his Gatorade commercial, and everybody starts laughing. Jordan shakes his head, takes his shot, misses. I get the rebound. I take it outside the three-point line. And as he's walking out, I said, aren't you going to return the favor? Like, give me the same amount of space. And he said, I know you don't have that shot in you. And as he said it, I jacked it. And from 26 feet, baby. Beautiful. Yes. I became the same person to ever score on Michael Jordan. There you go. Oh, that's man, that's a that's great play to I hope that's bad. Hey, hey! Did he want to run it back, knowing how competitive he is? Absolutely. But for you're three like, no, straight I'm days, that's all he talked to me. No, I, that's exactly what I said, dude. You had your shot. <laughs> it's, that didn't go over well either. So, oh, Don! Great uh, call. Yeah. Quit while you're ahead. Great move. 
My wife says if I was anywhere near as intelligent as I as I believe that I am, you know, when I'm when I'm walking through life, she said I would have never touched another basketball again. Like like lay it down right there. Because from then on out, everybody that scored on me said I scored on the guy who scored on Jordan, which is, you know, not that big a deal, obviously. So I still love to play the game. John, you know what, man? You should write a book that I scored on Michael Jordan. I guarantee people would pick that up. I would. Like, this is how I scored on Michael Jordan. And speaking of which, you've written 30 books, 11 New York Times bestsellers. For people that don't know that, this is it's like 30 people, I think you said, that have over 10 New York Times bestsellers in the nonfiction space. That's incredible, man. All that you have done, the people that you have been around, like we can go on and on about the accolades, but you didn't just start there. Is there a moment in your life that really sticks out to you as, man, I I just, I was stuck. And how did you pivot out of that to lead you to the success that you have accomplished? You know, it's interesting because I I read that question uh, when I was preparing to be here with you a couple different ways. I, one on, on stuck, I think a lot of people who aspire to something like a book, uh, and you've written several, you, you get it, David, is, you know, a lot of people get stuck in what they, they, they call writer's block, right? Mm-hmm. That, that place where suddenly your creative energy just doesn't seem right. And I had to learn and develop a process mm-hmm. that would allow me to, you know, you, you work on process with your players and others. I had to learn and develop a process, uh, which I have done over the years, to help me make sure that it doesn't matter if I wake up this morning not at all inspired to write chapter three of the book. If I know what chapter 17 is going to be, and that happens to be what really inspires me today, I just skip ahead and write chapter 17. Because I, I have a mega outline process that I go through before each book that allows me um, to not get stuck. And since developing and understanding and building out that process for myself, um, I've not suffered what others call writer's block. Oh, I like that, Don. Process, and you have an outline for it too. Do you feel like that gives you a, a sense of control? It's something like well, if you want to write a book, it's such a big daunting task, but all right, well, if I break it down to a system and a process and how to outline, do you feel more confident in that control? So ask yourself this question. Do you want increased energy, more endurance and recovery, metabolic health off the charts, mental clarity throughout the day, weight management and longevity? Yeah, I think you answered yes to every one of those if you're listening to this. And this is one of those things, if you know, you know, and that's ketones ketone iq from hvmn check it out hvmn.com ketones literally are this fuel for the body which takes you to another level i mean it's it's boosting clean energy it's not you don't get the crashes your ketone levels are up for six hours it's effective safe fda approved i mean it's not it's nothing that is going to hurt the body, but it's everything that's going to improve the body for killer workouts, for long runs. If you've got a big meeting coming up, I take sips of this before big talks, before I want to get in the zone to write books, before every workout. It is incredible. And HVMN is offering you as a listener 10% off with the code David at checkout. HVMN.com. Try this. I, I, I mean, this is 
mind-blowing on the amount of energy you will have and just how good you will feel in a natural, healthy way. So check it out, hvmn.com. This is Ketone IQ, code David for 10% off. And go crush your workout and life. It's eating the elephant one bite at a time, right? Ah, you know, instead yeah. of saying, I have to, I have to tackle the elephant today. Mm-hmm. I just, I just have to work on the trunk, right? I just have to nibble on an ear. Um, I'm just trying to find a way that in, in what I'm doing, um, I have an understanding before I really get started of here's how chapter one is going to begin and end. Here's how chapter two will begin and end. And if I, if I have mapped that process properly, then, you know, then yeah. I can start anywhere. I can, chapter seven may be what really inspires me today. I'll go write chapter seven and, um, yeah. and, and it will work because it fits within the flow of what I've, I've kind of designed in advance. So, you know, in, in every way, uh, when you start thinking about getting stuck and how you avoid it, the thing that keeps you from getting stuck is, having a process and then, you know, constantly reverting to it. Man. And that, Hey, ladies and gentlemen, you are learning from a 11 time New York times bestseller. Write that down. That is a greatness attribute that you can work on that you can implement. And speaking of greatness, you have been around it all. The top athletes, the top business CEOs, execs, even writing books about the secrets of George Washington, the greatest of great. What are the aspects that separate these great from just the good? What what makes these Walter Paytons, these Emmett Smiths, these Carl Lewis's, what makes these guys different? I would tell you, David, and you see this every day in what you do too. It is a willingness um, to defy human nature. That's my phrase. That's the phrase I love to go to when I think about what do they do? Because human nature is is to be satiated to be satisfied Mm. to be you know what man boy that was so good i'm gonna take tomorrow off or that was so good i I think it's three o'clock in the afternoon i think i'll shut it down um and the real the the great ones have the capacity to enjoy what they have achieved but to recognize that that means nothing Mm. uh toward tomorrow's goal and so um, that is a mindset, a mind shift. It's not, it's, and that's what I love about it, right? Because it's not physical. Uh, I'll never possess the physical gifts of almost any of the people I work with, but I can learn and manage the mental, the emotional, the spiritual um, disciplines that mm-hmm. they build into who they are and what they want to be. Such a great answer. And that goes right in step with sustaining greatness. Like you taste the success, how do you sustain it? And a great friend of mine who's one of the best NBA coaches in all time, Eric Spolstra, this is what he talks about. This is what he's seeking. So, Don, I am going to send this podcast to Eric. So please help me, help him. How do we sustain greatness? Well, one of the first things Eric Spolstra needs to do is write a book. And, yeah, he um, does. <laughs> he does. He does. And I'm, 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 so I'm not lobbying, but I will tell you, you know, yes, I am. But, but David, the, the thing I think about when I, when I talk, so I've had the opportunity to work with guys like, um, and, and they're not big names, but guys like Russ Rose, who is the, 
the women's volleyball coach at Penn State who won just a multitude of national championships. Uh, Anson Dorrance at North Carolina, the women's soccer coach there, won 21 national titles. You, you work around these people and they are hyper-focused on this, that, this idea of what we're talking about right here, that to sustain excellence, um, you have to, Russ Rose says, you don't go sleep in your trophy room, right? Um, uh, Anson Dorrance, uh, I mean, this is a guy at the end of every championship season, when they have their banquet, you know, everybody else gives out these massive rings or whatever, right? Something, some big gaudy uh, representation of what they, of what they achieved. He gives out roses. And, and the reason is because the roses are gonna, are gonna dry up and, and, and die. Right. Yeah. Uh, because next year there's a time to grow another rose. And, um, and you have to be ready to go do that. So understanding how these great leaders think about sustained excellence, it's often around an exercise mm -hmm. in reminding yeah. yourself that, that yesterday's achievement, Nick Saban, who I've had the blessing of working with for years, um, you know, that, he, that is his gift. His gift is to be present every day, including the day after they win the championship, right? Um, everyone else will want to celebrate and everyone else will want a month off and everyone else will want a pay raise and everyone else will want, will want. And, and Nick Saban wants to show up for work, right? That's what he wants for it. And, and, and that ability to, to continue to remind each and every member of your organization that, that, uh, you know, we're not going to sleep in our trophy room, right? We're not going to, uh, mm -hmm. we're not going to, you know, display all the gaudy uh, championship trophies around us every time you 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 log on for Zoom. We're we're going to be grateful that we get a chance today to compete, and if we if we compete uh, and we finish every day, right? Use those two words: compete and finish every day. Yeah, you know, good fortune will smile upon us. Yeah, it, 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 it's so good because you know what that I mean. That is literally telling yourself a story. You either create the narrative of, oh, we're so great, we won the championship, or it's, hey, back to work. You know what? Like the, the roses are gonna die. It's just gonna wear off. And that that art of storytelling. Do you think like I mean you've been around I mean the best speakers too, the best leaders of companies and Starbucks and and all of these. Like, are they really good storytellers? Like how important is storytelling to 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 be able to I mean, achieve greatness. They are the best. My, my father, my father was a preacher and, uh, and he great, and a great storyteller, you know, yeah. a lot of preachers are, oh, man. uh, and, and some of their stories are true, which is really awesome. Um, sorry, just joking, bad, bad preacher <laughs> joke there. But the, the, my father used to tell me all the time as a kid, um, to learn that art that he used to say, you know, be good at telling stories in a, in a positive way, right? Not He wasn't encouraging me to tell stories that would get me out of trouble, but be good at telling stories because he used to say all the time, the best storytellers are the best leaders, uh, they're the best teachers, they're the best elected officials. Heck, they're the best dinner guests, right? You know, if you're a good storyteller, you, people want to be with you because they because you bring energy to the room uh, through the art of what you're able to, the way you can 
can massage content and make it um, make it relevant to who they are, but also through the process of telling the right story, reveal a little bit about who you are. And uh, you know, when I was at Sports Illustrated, we had a we had a little sign in, in one of the offices there that said, "Storytelling uh, is the currency of kings and queens." Hmm. And uh, and I believe that completely. It is if you can tell stories well, you can lead people into unimagined places, right? Um, my dad used to point out. I mean, not I mean, careful how I use this. So I want to because again, my father was doing it when I was far younger. He said, "But you know, you take Jesus Christ, great storyteller. You take Adolf Hitler, great storyteller. Now they use stories for far different and unfortunate, you know, diff- different goals." Um, but people followed them because they could tell stories. Yeah. It's so good, man. Stories have the the impact and the influence. I mean, and, I mean that's literally how we learn, why we like to read books is because it's stories, why we watch TV shows, stories, stories. Do you have, we'll put you on the spot a little bit here. Do you have a story or maybe your travels with Sports Illustrated? Because I know you've been everywhere and have incredible, like you're like the, the Dos Equis most interesting man, seriously. Do you have any stories that really stand out to you from when you were with Sports Illustrated or after that have just had a, like a, a lasting impact? Hey, so let me ask you this question. Have you ever spent hours and hours searching that perfect gift for a man, for your husband, for your father, Father's Day? Uh, I mean, looking for a gift for me, obviously. Well, hey, look no further. Here it is. Lux. Live Lux. Dot com. Check it out. These boxes are curated, customly curated perfectly for the man in your life. You can choose a plan between quarterly or annual, annually. You're getting this box that you get to pick from these awesome technology, sports brands, nutrition, everything that the guy in your life is interested in. And I could curate my perfect box for you if you want to get me a gift. Please do. It's coming to your door. And you can change this continuously. This is at livelux.com. That's live, L-I-V-E, Lux, with two E's, L-U-X-E-E.com. Check it out. The brands they have on there are phenomenal. It's the perfect gift. And you can get 25% off with David 25. 25% off a box. The greatest gift. Hey, it's a love language. Gift giving and receiving is a love language Trust me, I know it's one of my wife's highest love languages, but check it out. The discount code David25 for 25% off and quit giving Starbucks gift cards and step up your gift giving game. So David, it would probably be a story that, uh, around a book that I had the chance to write a few years ago. Um, it was, uh, with a, an NFL football player, uh, who at the time, uh, was playing, he's, he's since retired named Warwick Dunn. Uh, Warwick was, um, uh, he's the smallest player in the history of the NFL to have, have achieved 10,000 yards rushing, which is pretty incredible. Wow. Think about that, right? Yeah. 5'8", 178 pounds. So, um, but Warwick's story is even better than, than his statistics. Born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, mother is a single mom, uh, but Warwick is the oldest of six children. Uh, and his mother's a police officer and, and he's a senior in high school and he, uh, and his mother is, uh, is shot and killed in a robbery at a bank. As I said, oldest son. So he now has this new responsibility. He had, 
he had made a verbal contract to come to Florida State to play football. And um, uh, the coach there, Bobby Bowden, actually called him and said, you know, that was before your mother passed. If you need to stay and play at LSU, we would understand. And Warwick looked at, said to the coach, look, you know, I, my mother and I made the choice to come to Florida State uh, together, and I would never dishonor her. I'll, I'll see you there this summer, uh, but I'm going to bring – and he ultimately brings a couple of his, uh, couple of his younger siblings with him to be able to raise them while he's playing football. And he does so great at Florida State. He becomes the 12th pick in the NFL draft. And, uh, and shortly afterward, he begins a charity buying homes for women like his mother, single moms. And uh, by the way, they just at this year's Super Bowl gave away their 200th home through that charity, which is just incredible. 530 children live in a home today or have been raised in a home provided through work done, which is just like, you know, I mean, I don't care. We talk about greatness, man. That's greatness. That's what that is. So Warwick wins the NFL Man of the Year Award named for um, Walter Payton, my my hero and somebody who I also had the chance to write a book with. And, um, uh, and, he, and he wins this award and a big publisher hears his story, asks him if he tells it, if he tell it in a book. And he asked me to write it with him. Oh. And to finish the book, he and I decide to go visit the man on death row who had killed his mother. And we go there, and um, and when we arrive at the prison, the, in, the the warden tells Warwick the man had actually changed his story and was now claiming he wasn't even there the night Warwick's mother was murdered. And if he was going back into the cell looking for closure, he wasn't going to get it. And Warwick said, sir, I didn't come here today for him. I came here today for me. And I should have known right then it was going to be the most amazing hour I'd ever get a chance to spend. And we went back into the cell and the man started telling a new story about how he wasn't even there the night it happened. And after about 30 minutes, Warwick closed his book of questions that he had brought and he held up his hand and he said, sir, if you weren't there that night, let me, let me tell you what that night did to me. And he said, prior to that night, I used to play football with, passion with emotion. He said, I still play the game with passion, but I've not done a single thing in my life since that night that required emotion because everything drained from me. He said, prior to that night, I, I, I used to dream about being a father. I used to dream like a father, like I never had. I used to dream about being a husband, a good husband, uh, like my mother never had. He said, sir, you should know that I've spent the last four years in counseling the largest portion of it, trying to learn how to hold my girlfriend's hand in public because I'm afraid of falling in love with her because you can't lose love twice in one lifetime. As he said that, he started crying. The inmates started crying. I'm crying. Lawyers are crying. It's crazy. It's just six of us in the cell and we're all crying. And then Warwick holds up his hand again. And he said, sir, if you weren't there that night, I don't know why you came here today. But I know why I came here today. I came here to forgive somebody. I tell you, like I walked out of that prison and I realized I could go to the next 20 NBA finals, the next 30 Super Bowls, and I'll never see a greater championship moment than that, right? Never see 
somebody do anything as extraordinary as that. We got out, we got in the prison van they had set up to take us to the airport. And I said, Warwick, where did you get that? He said, you know what? We've been writing this book, talking a lot about my mother. She was 16 when she had me. Uh, the truth is we grew up together. He said, but my mother didn't have a lot of formal education, but she had wisdom. Mm -hmm. And among the wisest things she said to me every day was that, you know, all of us, you know, it doesn't matter where you're born, doesn't matter where you're raised, doesn't matter how much money you have. There's one thing we all share. And that is that something's coming your way at some stage in the future that will change the way you wake up in the next, the next morning. Something's coming your way that will change the direction of your life. And in that moment, you get two choices. You can be bitter or you can be better. Mm. And as my son, I ask you to always choose better. Wow. And work was crying again. He said, you know what? I just want every day to live out my promise to my mother that I would be better. When I think about that, you know, when you think about those kind of stories and those moments and you realize, gosh, like if that's not aspirational, if that's not what we want to be, man, you know, I just, I'm just blessed that people let me get into uh, that car with them and, and travel the journey for a little bit and tell the story. Man, isn't that the definition of greatness though? I mean, you've been around and I see you choking up right now and tearing up and you've been around the the best teams, the best players, the best coaches, but that impact, what Warwick did, and just the forgiveness too, like that is extreme greatness. And we have more people like that, the world's a better place. It's not necessarily the championships or anything, but it's the true love for other human beings. Man, that that's greatness. Wow, Don, that's- You were talking about the power of forgiveness. Man. David, you know, when we were walking out of the prison and the warden actually grabbed Warwick and he said, you know, young man, there will be a day when we're going to execute this guy, right? And do you want to be here? And Warwick looked at him and said, no, sir. Hmm. He said, because from this moment on, he holds no power over me. Man. Wow. Forgiving him meant the guy who held no power over Warwick. I mean, if that doesn't just grab you, you know, um, that's so, so incredible. And, you know, and I know you and I have a mutual friend and Cody Foster, Yep. We've talked a lot about, you know, Cody took that story, which I told several different times to his company at Advisors Excel and Topeka, where I know you've been as well. And um, and one day, a few years back when I was there, uh, Cody walked, Cody and his, his, his teammates, you know, shared with me that they were so impacted by Warwick's story that they had gone out and built a home for a single mom in Topeka. And they were going to allow me on that day to be the one to hand her the keys. Jeez. And again, you know, I know a big part of your, your messaging, David, is that, that willingness to realize in your life, what is the thing that you, where's your, where's your gift or where are you capable of maybe helping others? And then how do you play through that to its highest? And like that day, I really felt like my ability to, to, to be in the right place and tell the right stories, you know, had allowed me, um, kind of a, a life-changing moment, which was pretty incredible. Man. And then that, there again is what greatness is about. It's not about like you and Cody are great. You, you've done so much. You're great, but you're not out there bragging about how great you are. There's so many people that you've worked with and you're not telling me about it. Like I find that so attractive 
when I have to go research all of this stuff and the people that are the greatest are the ones that like you're giving, giving Cody's giving. So the greatest ones serve. It's not about them, man. Such a good point. Well, wow, I had no idea we were going to get to that. Like, I didn't know, like, I thought we'd talk about all oh, these greatness characteristics, but I mean, like all of those pale in comparison to what you just told right there, man. Well, the lesson in that, that one particular characteristic is that adversity as Warwick's mom said to him, adversity is promised to all of us, right? We're all going to, we're all going to face something. And what do you do in that moment? Hmm. Right. The truly great one choose better. Man, Don, I can talk to you all day long and I'd love to have you back on because I know you have a big, big project coming on. You can tease that out. You don't have to tease it out. We're going to throw you on the rapid fire hot seat. So quick answers, whatever comes to your mind before we get to that. What is the big next? So we'll go with the rapid fire first. Do you have a favorite mindset quote or a mantra that you've lived by, had on your fridge, something that you just man, you just love? I do. It's from John Wooden. Mm-hmm. It's uh, make each day your masterpiece. Beautiful. And I love it because it sounds so simple and it's just a few words. But the truth is, it's a really complicated process, right? If you're going to be, if you're going to have a masterpiece day, you got to you got to be in the day, right? You have to be present. And you have to you have to bring your best to, to everything you're going to do today. It's hard to do, but if you could make today a masterpiece, it's a pretty good day. So good. And, and what I love too is you've been around John Wooden a lot. Like most people say, John Wooden quotes and never even been in the same room, but you have. John, what does leaving a legacy look like to you? Not necessarily the billboards or anything like that, but what is leaving a legacy to you, John? You know, I'm a late in life dad. I became a dad for the first time when I was 45, nice. and. Uh, so for me, uh, I, I think, you know, prior to that, I thought legacy was all the cool stuff, you know, the, the best sellers and the this and the that, and, you know, um, and now I, I, I know different, you know, and I think probably most parents that you would talk to, I hope would say the same thing that, you know, if I can make sure that they're properly situated, that they have life and perspective and, mm-hmm. um, and that they're off for, to a good start, then, then I'm, then I'm good. Man, couldn't have a better answer than that. I'm going to hire you as a consultant when me and my wife have kids. I love that answer. All right, here's a fun one for you. This one could get interesting. Three people. You get to choose three people you want to invite to a dinner party. Who are those people that are going to sit around you? And what are you either cooking or ordering in? Wow. Death row okay. <laughs> wow. So the, fir- the three people would I would give anything to have – more time with uh, John Wood. But yeah. that just, you know, I mean, yeah. again, I spent 12 years with him, but um, every other month I would go out and spend a day with him. But I would give anything for for another hour with John Wood. Just, you know, the the, the what he taught me was just off the charts. Yeah. Um, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna offer, uh, you know, Abraham Lincoln, who I just I've I've been a student of for years. I I marvel at his leadership skill, his willingness to not fall into the category that everybody wanted to assign him when he kept losing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and then he became the right man for the, for the job. Uh, and, uh, and then I, you know, I'll, I'll stick with this one too. Another, another one that coach Wooden would have talked about a lot would be mother Teresa, nice. just because, you know, I just, that ability to love on others, which I'm, you know, I struggle with sometimes. I mean, I know, um, it's just to, to love all 
um, you know, it's really hard to, to, uh, to be able to kind of close your eyes and say, I'm going to be, I'm going to be that. And if I can be that good, man, shoot, everything else is awesome. Wow. That's a powerful leadership. Yeah. What are you eating? So, I, man, I'd, I'd order in Chinese. Sorry. I mean, it doesn't sound very, but I just, I kind of think, you know, it's a, uh, it, it's the myriad of tastes and textures and, and, uh, you know, and I, I, it's always fun to watch, to see if people are going to try to eat the rice with the, with the, with chopsticks. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm into it. Okay. So is it American Chinese or is it Chinese Chinese? Sorry, it's going to be American Chinese. Yeah. I have had Chinese Chinese, and man, that is, I, I cannot, I don't get it. Like, no. those, like we need to teach them how to cook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don, when I went over, the first meal I had literally had a chicken foot in it. I kid you not, there was a chicken foot in it. Yeah, so please stay at Panda Express, and I'll be at that dinner with you. Thank you. <laughs> Don, what, what is, what's your big next? What's coming up that wakes you up that you're just juiced up and excited about? What's big and next and how can we all follow you support you stalk everything you do <laughs> well the stalking part you can go to donyeager.com i know my last name gets spelled wrong often it's actually don y-a-e-g-e-r yeah. uh, but because i'm always trying to be prepared i own the misspellings of my name uh, also and they all direct you to my website um and uh yeah, I mean, you gotta like, you gotta know if you're, I mean, I, I wasn't blessed with the last name, like nurse, I mean, so easy to, to do. Um, uh, but, uh, the next big really thing, the project that I'm excited about is, uh, I, I, I always have some big macro project kind of hanging in the back right now. It's, uh, around the concept of momentum. Right. I've been interviewing just, uh, scores of, of, of athletes and coaches, military leaders, uh, political operatives, right? Because momentum is so important in politics and business leaders on, you know, uh, first off, do they believe that momentum is real? Because I think that's important. But secondly, it's that idea, if it is real, uh, you believe it to be real, can you capture it? Can you, can you actually extend its life? Is there something you can do? So instead of it being a momentary, um, a, a brief exercise in, 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 in something flipping your direction, is there a way to make it twice as long. And then, uh, and then finally, if it's, uh, if it's working against you, how can you reverse, uh, what, how can you reverse momentum? So I'm, I'm literally in these amazing conversations with so many unbelievable thought leaders around this concept. It will, um, it's, it's not even sold as a book yet, but I'm probably ruining the concept by telling everybody, but that's okay. No, no, you're you're getting us excited. Yeah. It's yours. You're teasing it yeah, out, and we will bring you back on this podcast to talk all about momentum, man. That's incredible. Yeah, that is something to conquer right there. So, yes, we will, everybody listening, have an episode on momentum. Don, you're an incredible, incredible guest, an incredible human being. Everything that you have done, man, everybody go look look up, study, read his books, 30 of them out there. Read them and Don, just thank you for being on this podcast, giving your time and being the light that you are to so many. Thank you, brother. David, what an honor. I appreciate you. Absolutely, Don. And if you could drop the mic with the last piece of advice, it can be a one word, a two word, where literally you're going to say the word and we're going to go off air. We drop the mic. If there's something that you could tell to somebody in a stuck situation to give them new, new hope, new life, what would that word, what would that phrase be? 
imagine success. Boom. There it is. Mic dropped.